KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. And good Saturday, good morning, good grief. I think fall is upon us. My golly, we're going to get a little frost on the pumpkin here in a couple of months. High in the 60s on Monday. Oh, it's beautiful weather. This is a time when the world just glows. Uh, I'm looking forward to the changing trees, the, you know, turning seasons. Oh, always a delightful place to be in this part of the world. And we can talk about that, the beauty around Mother Nature. And number two, how our homes and the places we live look out, experience, and capture to bring indoors the Mother Nature beauty that's through, <laughs> excuse me, through our windows and visible out of our homes. Phone lines for you, 314-436-7900, 436-7900. Toll-free, 800-925-1120, 800-925-1120. I am indeed Scott Mosby. I think I'm in my 23rd year with this month. Uh, I'll tell you the story how I got on the radio uh, sometime uh, later into this hour. And toll-free 800-925-1120. Toll-free 800-925-1120. My day job is at Mosby Building Arts. We're in our 72nd year, I believe. The company was founded by my father in 1947. Right now, our claim to fame is we are pretty much everything it takes to build, design, and follow up on a residential construction project, small or large. Uh, really, my father started the design build back in the 70s when it, it was just hard to get architects to work on smaller projects like a di- you know a deck, a room addition, kitchen remodel, things like that. And you know he understood what was necessary and how to go about drawing plans and procuring permits and all those sorts of things. So he started that himself in the 70s. Fast forward now to uh, the early 80s when I took over the company from my dad, Sam Mosby. We now have licensed architects on staff, uh, certified kitchen and bath designers on staff, aging in place, which means full mobility, accessible improvements, uh, all those things, as well as a complete construction company with virtually every trade on the payroll at Mosby Building Arts. So if you've heard all of the stories about remodeling and the difficulties, the delays, and all the problems, our answer to that is how we are at Mosby Building Arts. We just have everybody together. Uh, And the way I describe this is a little bit like an ad on uh, home improvement. It's like, well, you know, where does a contractor go when the project's half done? Yeah, that's the funny part of it. The not funny part of it is, you know, that you just can't get them back. Well, what if everybody is together on one team and we're there every day? So for the problems that occur in remodeling, always, always. Well, what if your partner's next door? It's like, well, we need to call the engineer and figure out what to do because we uncovered a beam, a structural beam support right in this wall. What are we going to do? Mosby Building Arts, part of the team, already on board. Give them a phone call. They'll be there in 10 minutes. Or what about the plumber? We've got a plumbing stack right there in the wall. We're going through with a, with a, a door. Well, call the plumber at Mosby Building Arts. He's there. Or the electrician. So we have all those things. So from a, a business standpoint, it's vertically integrated. And that, that kind of answers the question is, all right, Scott, how did you wind up on CAMWAX? Well, 
The truth is I'm not all that sharp, but I have a lot of friends that are at work that uh, really love this stuff, and they keep me sharp, uh, and they correct me as well. It's like, Scott, I heard your answer, you know, last week it was a good one. I think that's, a, you know, here's what I've discovered. And then likewise, socially, as I just gather around the community much more late, you know, previous to, to the COVID issue, you know, everybody would tell me their best ideas like hey scott i've got this such and such we'd talk about it and then somebody'd listen and say you know what i discovered i discovered this thing so i wind up being kind of a walking library which is really you know for me and my father this you know i inherited this curiosity from my dad and you know it's a blast i mean i'm always at school um, I enjoy learning, and people sometimes ask me questions, and I wind up right here on University of CAMOX. I call it University of CAMOX because I, too, am one of the students. So we're going to talk about that and more, but primarily when it gets so gloriously beautiful and comfortable, the doors open wide, the windows open up, we sleep with the windows open here. Oh, man. Well, the mission becomes how do I bring that outdoor glory inside the home so as that translates into a design uh, project so for us at Mosby starting out the project you know or a lady who's you know at the cosmetic counter trying to figure out what cosmetics to put on her face it's the same thing what's the best feature what's the best feature on your face what's the best feature out the back of your home the front of your home and when people walk through the front door of your house or into the kitchen into the whatever room it is what is it that is glorious and you want to share and maximizes the beauty of this place because you'll experience it every day multiple times a day or not and that's a choice and as we uh you know kind of you know uh, do this safety uh, thing and stay in our homes a little bit more, you and I become more and more apparent or, or more and more aware of what our homes have and what they don't and what we want and realize that, you know what, we can make it whatever we want. In this part of the country, by golly, you know, the housing stock, as I call it, or the buildings, the homes. I mean, we have a town in this place called Claytown. Claytown. Yeah, Clayton. I mean, you think we have some good brick around this place? Boy, howdy, do we? You bet. So this, you know, a, a lot of masonry structures, really good brick and stone masons, masons in this part of the country. You know, carpenters gravitating to the better homes that are made like this. And now we have some extraordinarily performing uh, good frame structures, um, super insulated, now properly ventilated, all that stuff. Anyway, we're going to talk about that right here on University of KMOX, and I am Scott Mosby, truly excited to be here with you. As always, 314-436-7900-436-7900-800-925-1120, and all you do-it-yourselfers out there, you home battlers, bring it on. This is the place where we share the experiences. I have made all of these mistakes. Yeah, man. <laughs> like, wow, he knows some stuff. I'll bet he knows how to do it. You know how I learned that? I made a lot of mistakes fast. And my father had a concept. It's like, Scott, you can't ruin anything that I can't fix. So get to it. Do your best. Let's see what you've got. And lo and behold, as time went on, uh, trained as I, you know, as the classic uh, master carpenter, master builder in the old world ways, is get in, get at it, you know, mess it up, we'll fix it, we'll pull it apart and learn together how to put it together correctly. 
suffice it to say, today at Mosby Building Arts, our family business continuing, that's my job. It's a great gig if you can get it. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby at your service. Cards coming up here on University of KMOX later on today. Lots of things happening on KMOX. I'm going to take a short pause and come back for more after this because we've got some great phone calls on it. And for the people taking care and using this weather to take good care of their home, few maintenance things. Get ready before old man winter comes. Those turning leaves, this beauty, the beautiful weather we're experiencing, it flips. Yeah, baby. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby at your service. I'll be back after this. All right, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. We have 10 phone lines open for you. Well, actually, only 8. 314 800-800-925-1120. The topic today is you. If you've got a project on your hand for your home or helping somebody else, son, daughter, uh, neighbor, all those things that happen around home improvement, home repair, the taking care of business, if you will, uh, bring it on. 314-436-7900-809-25-1120. First up, let's start with my friend Mike. Hey, Mike, good morning. Welcome to CamWex. How may I help you, Hi, sir? Hi, Scott. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I have a problem. Uh, we have one window in our kitchen, and it's a fairly modern window. It's a vinyl frame, double glazed. When we open the window... There's two small piles of some material at the two lower corners of the window. It's light green in color. And what I'm thinking is, and we've had problems with ants getting into the kitchen. I'm thinking possibly these two small piles might be chewed up insulation from what's between the old and new layers of siding. The the vinyl siding we have is about 18 years old. Uh, the company put uh, foam board insulation down and then put the vinyl siding on top of that. Uh, are you familiar with anything about possibly if that is the cause, ants eating, you know, uh, siding insulation? Oh, yeah. Uh, and frankly, just, just your um, awareness of it and asking the question is step number one. So uh, let me ask you about the green stuff. Is it very powdery like dust, or is it granular like um, uh, little piles of, of dirt-ish? It's, uh, I guess, more granular than powder, but it's small. It's, the particles are very small-sized. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, one thing that that green powder can be is pollen from the spring. Uh, and frankly, you just can't, you know, the wind doesn't get to it. The moisture sits in the corners of those uh, windows. So that's not a big deal. But if it's mm-hmm. more than that, if it's bigger than dust and granular, it could indeed be that. Uh, and uh, there are two kinds of ants. Ants love moisture. And the corners of windows, especially the bottom corners of windows, behind vinyl siding always get wet. Keep in mind, mm-hmm. water and mm-hmm. moisture travel behind or on the backside of any siding. 
So, you know, it's it's basically a drainage plane where water goes. So that's where a critter would love to live and, and chew. So you may have ants trying to build a nest in there. Uh, you have the little bitty sugar ants. Uh, little bitty sugar ants, uh, a great uh, product actually made right here in St. Louis is Tero, T-E-R-R-O. Um, and it's just a little container. Uh, you can lay that out on the windowsill. Once they find it, they, you know, come after that sugary, uh, almost like a syrup material. They take it back mm-hmm. to the nest and they all don't make it. Uh, beyond that, if you see anything larger like a carpenter ant, a carpenter ant has a jaw about the size of a backhoe and they can do wood damage fast. The insulation back there is not a real structural concern. It is for, you know, energy performance. But if that's the case, if you see an ant that's, you know, half inch, three quarters of an inch long, a big black body, uh, then it's time for a pro. And with ants, you probably may need a pro anyway, because uh, if you've got something going on, uh, once a a colony or a nest gets built inside of a wall cavity, it can be tough to get them without, you know, professional help. Yeah, we've had, we had the house spray like twice a year because small ants will get in. Now I'm thinking, you know, uh, do you think it would be necessary for the siding in that area around the window to be, to be removed to actually access where they might be nesting? Well, uh, it, cause? not really, because ants go out. I mean, the whole little thing with the little parade of ants is they go out and they bring back everything necessary. So if you can just mm-hmm. find out where they're going and uh, really offer them a nice little poisonous food, they'll go back and kill the whole colony. So they're not okay. that tough. But don't uh, don't believe that spraying your house addresses spiders or mm-hmm. ants because mm-hmm. those bodies are way up on those legs. And uh, killing an ant or killing a spider doesn't typically come, unless you spray the stuff right on them, uh, they're just going to get their feet dirty. You know, mm-hmm. It doesn't really you know kill them so it's a that's why i'm saying you really need to know what kind of an ant and you may be closer to professional help than you know just getting i mean spraying it with yourself isn't really going to do much unless you do expose the the ant colony and indeed 18 year old vinyl siding gets a little bit brittle mike but they can uncouple i mean for example when we come to inspect a house you know which is part of uh, siding or buying roofs or any of the things we do at mosby you know if if we see any discoloration or a story like this, we'll pull those laps of vinyl siding apart mm-hmm. and, uh, not far from that corner, and we have what's called a zip tool. It looks like a, a little orange uh, peeler plastic tool, um, and it just we can relap that siding together. So it's not too tough to pull apart, uh, usually not that necessary, um, but uh, you know, definitely get this taken care of. Okay, I'll tell you what. You mentioned a product uh, T-E-R-O-O. Yeah. yeah, grocery store, you know, $5, some small amount. I mean, if you're wrong, it costs you $5 or $8 or something, yeah. really. Do you think, uh, yeah, I should just say if after I try that, should I just have a, a pest company address the issue, a, a pest company that would have experience with that issue? Um. Yeah, I, well... I would start with that, but they would have products that are even more specific and more powerful. These guys are trained, they're certified, they know how to handle uh, more aggressive chemicals. What you and I can buy at the grocery store, the hardware store, you know, the big box store, uh, 
they don't need because they they can go nuclear. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, they they wouldn't use the products you and I get in a grocery store. Okay, I guess if we went the professional route, uh, I'm not sure, you know, approximately what it would cost. Do people typically would they file a say an insurance claim if it's an expensive repair? Oh yeah, it, not usually because it's not really an occurrence. It's a it's a um, a critter, you know. And this is not. I mean, to get your house sprayed or addressed like this, you know, it's a hundred dollars or eighty five or a hundred. It, it's not break the bank, um, which is why yeah. part of my advice. It's just you know, if you know they're the little bitty ants, I'd just do the tarot thing. But if you're not really sure and you've got this problem, I'd go ahead and just call a you know an exterminator, you know. Um, you okay. know, like a, you know, just one of the big pros that knows how to handle ants. It's you have to think like an ant to go kill them. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, Scott. Okay, Mike. Thanks for the call. Take care. Thanks. And there we go. Preventive maintenance. An ounce of prevention beats a pound of cure. And that's where Mike's going. And, and he's he's really doing the right thing. He's watching his house. So when I uh, sometimes open the show and talk about a walkabout, well, let's go for a walkabout around the house and take a look, you know, and see the screens. And this time of year is a perfect time for a walkabout. I don't know about you, but I love my morning cup of coffee. Typically, I'll take a cup of coffee and I just walk outside and I just you know, kind of enjoy the weather for as long as the chilliness can handle it. And I look at the screens and I look at the windows and I check the paint and I check the brick and I check the flashings and I look at, see if there's anything up on the roof that shouldn't be like a big stick or whatever. But, you know, it's nothing different than us being aware of what's happening in our health and then things that we're not sure about. You just bring it to the doctor and you say, you know, doc, I think I'm ready for a checkup. I kind of found this thing on my, you know, knee and I need Da, 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 da. So anyway, it's the same thing with a house. Uh, let's go visit my next friend here, see what's happening with Doug. Doug, good morning. Welcome to KMOX, sir. How can I help? Uh, good morning to you. Thank I you. have a question about my driveway joint to the garage floor. Uh-huh. Uh, currently, the uh, joint is not very well filled with this uh, asphalt filler, I'll call it. Uh, yes. When it's when it's new, which I bought some replacement, it's dark brown and a uh, half inch thick and so many feet long. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if I pull the old stuff out and put the new filler in, uh, doubling it because uh, the gap is actually about an inch and a quarter. Okay. I'm thinking putting two half inch side by side is not going to be a very tight fit. Am I going about this the right way? Uh, yes, but it's typically a caulking joint that goes in there. Uh, that material you're putting in is a compression material. So if if the house and the driveway, uh, if the driveway ex- expands and gets longer and it tries to push up against your house, that gasket will compress and take up that space. Now, on the other hand, your driveway can be uh, sliding down the hill. If you have any kind of an incline there, your driveway can actually slide down the hill a little bit, uh, explaining why you might have an inch, inch and a half. Or, believe it or not, if you have a downslope to the rear of the house, your house can actually be moving a little bit away from the street. Um, So 
keep that in mind. Uh, also, if your house is at the end of a cul-de-sac at the bottom of a sloping street, that whole street can literally slide down the hill called street creep and compress the front of the, of the garage, which is why they put sometimes two and three of those expansion joints on the front of a uh, driveway there going into your garage. Uh, so I would uh, personally, I would uh, probably put a couple of those fillers in that you have, but leave them down about half an inch and water is the culprit we're trying to control now. And I right. would get some semi self-leveling urethane or in that thick, uh, maybe just some regular good quality urethane caulk. You're probably going to need Oh, man, maybe 10 tubes of the 10-ounce caulk or one or two tubes of the big 30-ounce, the quart, you know, uh, you know, foot-and-a-half-long caulking tubes to fill that kind of a gap. Make sure you clean the joints on both the concrete on both the garage floor and the driveway. Um, you know, clean it down, wipe it down with alcohol, something that doesn't leave water behind. And then on a dry day, you know, that's a good time to do, I think, the urethane caulk. I like the gray color concrete caulk. And right when it goes in, I have dry river sand, which is kind of the gray-brown color. And I just dust that dry river sand in dry form over the top of that brand-new caulk and uh, tap it down just a little bit, and you wind up with uh, caulk that matches the color of your concrete. Well, I'm concerned. Uh, well, first, the, the driveway is, well, the, the home is about three years old. The driveway is about uh, two years, two and a half years old because it had to be replaced. Um, and the, the, the joint really measures about an inch and a quarter. So if I put two of the uh, half-inch filler asphalt uh, things in there. Uh, I'm 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 not filling it up, and if I use caulk, it's going to pretty much go right on by, is it not? Or is there something in addition to the two half-inch uh, asphalt pillar boards I should uh, be using in addition? Well, there's a foam rope or caulking rope that is right. a I'm foam rubber. I'm familiar with that, and I think that comes in different sizes, and including one inch, which again, yeah. I'm putting a one inch into an inch and a quarter, right? But go ahead. Well, if you've got an inch and a quarter, the the actual foam is about an inch. If you got it for if it's one inch, it's actually oversized a little bit. Um, but the reason I'm advocating that, <clears throat> excuse me, you use one of those expansion joints if you already have it is that plus a rope. You can manipulate those two up and down until it's about half an inch deep. Um, but you're exactly correct. You do need to fill. So up you're you're saying put the uh, the rope on top of the asphalt filler board next to it. Next to it. Next to it. Yeah. Getting mm -hmm. one inch, you know, uh, caulking rope sometimes can be difficult at a hardware store. It's not your homeowner, normal homeowner product. So you're recommending I use the one inch plus the filler board side by side? Yep. Yep. So I'm and if it's an too inch tight. and a half worth into the inch and a quarter, right? Right. right. Like it compresses some? Yeah. If the, if the foam rope works... You're fine. You don't need, uh, there's no additional value brought by that expansion joint other than the width and that it's rigid right. and it's easy to slide up and down more so than the rope. Once you get the rope down, it it's hard to get back up. Okay, and you said use a, a urethane and you said semi-self-leveling? Well, probably on that thick, I think I'd just use standard gun caulk. You know, I wouldn't use the semi, because that stuff comes out like syrup. I mean, literally like pancake syrup, and you can get that stuff all over yourself, the driveway, the floor, and it doesn't come up. 
So I think I'd use just regular trowel or, or gun grade, you know, right out of the tube, a urethane, you know, one part urethane caulk in the gray concrete color. So just re- regular urethane. Yep. Yep. It'll call, okay. You'll know it's the right stuff when it costs you either $6 a tube or for the big quart, you know, maybe $15, $16 a tube. It's expensive caulk because it works. And I've got 16 feet to fill, and you say it's going to take a whole handful of tubes, I guess. Yes, sir. Yeah, you can do the calculations of how many cubic inches it's going to take and then figure out what you get out of a tube. It's it's all available, you know. But, yeah, you've got to – and it's important because keeping the water from going down that drain, you know, in that joint, that's an important thing. Right. Okay, well, I'll give it a try. I appreciate your uh, time and advice. Okay, take care, Doug. Thank you very much. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Uh, Stay tuned. We've got Retire Ready coming up at 1 o'clock after the show. And then 4 p.m., we have a live uh, speech by President Trump right here on KMOX. 4 p.m. right here. Uh, Let's take a short pause and come back for more on University of KMOX. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Hey, phone line's open for you. You No, it, you. It, it, don't look at her. It, for you, 314-436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. You know, you've got that question way down in that shirt pocket. You've been, I'm going to call that guy on Camwex and ask him. Now's the time, 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120, or just ask a follow-up question to some of the topics we talk about. All of this is based on the laws of physics, pretty predictable. One of the questions I get is, how do you know all that stuff? It's like, you know what, it really boils down to mostly just a few laws of physics, a few things of chemistry of how various things interact with coatings and paints and caulks, woods, plasters, mace, all those things. So knowing how they behave with each other, who plays nicely in the sandbox, that's what's behind all of this. So I'm able to answer a whole lot of questions that I directly may not understand directly the answer for, but I can tell you how to think about it and how to go at it. Uh, phone lines, 314 Three six seven nine hundred four three six seven nine hundred eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Also, if you're looking for a way to remember the stuff I say, or take it with you, or refer to it, you have a library right there in your pocket, right on your phone. Radio.com. Radio.com, R-A-D-I-O.com, an app you can put on your smartphone. Bring it up, and you can listen. You've got instant rewind of zip, go back 20 seconds, and that's done. That's what Scott said. Oh, now I understand it. So I try to enunciate and pronounce these words, but, I, you know, it's sometimes a foreign language if you're not in this industry. So I understand that. So get the app. Follow us, Radio.com. A lot of things on there, so very valuable. Uh, you can go back, podcast. You can listen to this. This show coming up next week, we post it on the uh, podcast uh, on radio.com. You can get to that as well as and, and other things. Anyway, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Uh, let's go talk to my friend Paul, see what's happening. Paul, good morning. Welcome to Cam Wexer. How may I help? Hi. I uh, bought some popular brand cleaner and mm-hmm. sprayed my gutters. And then I scrubbed them with a scrub brush. Okay. I still can't get the black spots and 
streaks off the gutters, and I'm wanting to paint the gutter now. Wow. What kind of paint do I use, or can I? Well, uh, you're not finished cleaning. Um, that is a milling oil, M-I-L-L-I-N-G. So when these uh, gutters are roll-formed, they come in a flat coil material, they go into a gutter-forming machine, and because of the way they're manufactured and lubricated, then they come out of the end of this uh, roll-former in the shape of that OG gutter that you have. But that right. oil stays put, and then the dirt sticks to the oil, and then the dirt grows into something with a little bit of moisture, so you now have a little bit of topsoil going on you. Crud cutter, K-R-U-D. K-U-T-T-E-R, crud cutter, or some of the old nasty detergents, spick and span, S-P-I-C-N-S-P-A-N, spick and span. You need almost nuclear cleaners to get that stuff off. And when you do that, you may find that uh, the gutters look pretty good because if you get them that clean then i would advise you put something on like a car spray or there are you know you have siding washes and siding uh kind of they call them waxes or whatever but basically put something on that closes the pores of that open uh roll formed metal uh and then you can also uh i wouldn't put the wax on it or anything if you're going to repaint it but if you are painting your gutters uh, it's important to get them clean but go to the paint store and get a specific primer for that and then you can and once you get the primer to bond to that um, material that painted gutter if you will then you can use a, a latex or urethane or whatever kind of paint you want to put on top okay well i did use crud cutter and it's it, it's almost like the uh fascia and the gutter have like little imperfections in them you know yeah, uh, yeah. like they're collecting the dirt in those little spots and i i used a scrub brush and i Wow. I'm still fighting it, you know. Yeah. So, all well, right. If, that, if that's the case, then you may be ready. If you're at that point and you want to paint them, I think you're ready for a really good primer sealer. And uh, oftentimes the primer is more expensive than the paint. Yeah, I understand that. Okay. But that I'm not going to find out at the hardware store. I need to go to a, like a Sherwin-Williams or somebody, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you will find it at the hardware store, but when I, you know, this is chemistry. I mean, this is not high school chemistry. In some cases, this is college and PhD level chemistry of getting this primer to stick to this material and this primer to stick to the gutter, you know, so it, it really is high tech as the whole world is getting now. So that's where I'll go to Sherwin Williams, Benjamin Moore, one of the, you know, paint stores, Porter, somebody where they've got, you know, uh, experienced people. Gotcha. All right. Thank you, sir. You you bet. Take care. Nice talking to you, Paul. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX, and this is the opportunity. I don't know about you, but the holidays are coming around the corner not very far, and I love outdoor lights. <laughs> yeah, I love outdoor lights. And think about that. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, lighting because a low-volt lighting, which you can purchase, transformer, low-volt, you know, 12-gauge wire, maybe 14, 16. The deep, the lower the number is, the fatter the wire and the more lighting and electric they can carry a longer distance. So one bad thing about low-volt wires is when you get more than 50 feet away from the transformer, that voltage starts to drop. 
it literally kind of runs out of gas because it's too far from home where the origin of the transformer. So keep that in mind. Then when you get instead of a 16 gauge landscape wire, you'd get a 14 or a 12. Generally, if I can get 12 gauge wire and it's going to cost you twice as much, uh, it, it will pretty much stay put. It'll last as long as the wire. So I've got 12 gauge wire I put in 20 years ago and I'm on my second set, third set of, of lights in some cases. Uh, and the LED lights, light emitting diodes, LED, they draw so little current that where I used to have a 300 uh, watt or 600 watt low volt transformer because I had a lot of lights, my gosh, they all run on something like 200 watts now. So anyway, my point being is you can get a lot of value, beauty, and design out of low volt lights. Uh, so anyway, keep that in mind. Uh, let's uh, let's take a short pause and come back for more on University of KMOX right after this. All right, back together, home improvement. Scott Mosby, I promised to tell you a little bit about how I wound up on the radio at the beginning of the hour. Uh, frankly, if you remember... Uh, uh, Oh, gosh, Central Hardware, Mr. Fix-It, Central Hardware. Uh, When Central Hardware went out of business, Mr. Fix-It, Al Schneider continued to do the show for some time. And then they went looking for a new host because Al was kind of done with it. Uh, He'd been on for many years. So I came down. uh, They said, well, I was part of the Home Builders Association. They invited and said, you know, we're looking for a new host. We're looking for somebody that knows tools and, you know, remodeling can answer a lot of questions and can talk. Well, they knew right away. Well, this guy can sure talk. We can't even shut him up. Let's call Scott. So I wound up uh, with a uh, host here on CAMWEX in September, one of the September baseball playoffs games. They had scheduled for seven games on CAMWEX, and it had been decided in four. So I went down and wound up on the show and, and uh, answered, I think, five questions. And anyway, a month later, called up and said, would you like to do the show? So anyway, that's how I wound up on CAMWEX way, way, way back. So anyway, such so be it. Uh, now, the carryout of some of that is when people look to me, they look to me for that information and the answers, of course, always CAMWEX, the family of CAMWEX, and providing uh, news, weather, sports, and the correct answer. Uh, we do have a place, at least in my day job, Mosby Building Arts, where you can go and come to seminars, no-charge seminars. So that's important there. Um, and and callmosby.com, C-A-L-L-M-O-S-B-Y, callmosby.com. Or for those of you that want to spell it all out, MosbyBuildingArts.com. Both places take you to the same thing, do seminars. We've got one coming up October 1st, and that's a Facebook Live event, How 10 Ways to Make Your Home More Accessible. Yeah, aging in place, stay in your home, make the house suit you for all the mobility or immobility things coming to you, your friends, and your guests. Also, the great debate, tub versus walk-in shower, about that accessibility. Uh, The walk-in tub is easily sold. Maybe not the best idea for you. And then Windows and Doors, October 24th. Anyway, you can sign up for all this stuff at uh, uh, callmosby.com. Stay tuned. Hour 2 here on CAMWEX. We've got uh, Retire Ready coming up at 1 o'clock on CAMWEX. KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on King of OX. 
Home Improvement Hour 2, University of KMOX, phone lines galore, numbers are 314-436-7900, 436-7900, toll free 800-925-1120, anywhere on the globe, that's 800-925-1120. This is the Helitech Home Improvement Show, we are talking about everything around your home, question, answers, ideas, topics, objections, this is where we have a forum for all points of view and that's what we bring perhaps it's your time to figure out how to fix that whatever that thing is or you have been considering adding on remodeling or changing that over there and how do you go about selecting a pro to do something like that um, it, all those things are part of the X or Helitech home improvement show sponsored in part by Suburban Leisure. So we have lots of time here. One more hour going up. We have Retire Ready following it up and then a live uh, speech by President Trump 4 p.m. tonight. We've got Cardinal Baseball with the Brewers. Oh, it's, yeah, I love it. You know, oh my gosh, I love this time of year. Yeah, did you hear that? 65, 66 degree high temperature next week? Yeah. Okay, we can talk about that because that will affect your home in different ways and whether you're painting, whether you're cleaning the deck, sealing the driveway, sealing your concrete, washing the car, whatever it is, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Let's uh, get to the phone lines here, see what's happening here and talk to Mike. Hey, Mike, good afternoon. Welcome to Lunch on Camwex. How can I help? Okay, I'm remodeling the kitchen of my 1919 St. Louis City bungalow. Uh, there's t- tile on two of the walls here in the kitchen, and it looks to be, they look to be about maybe four by four, and I don't think they're ceramic tiles. I'm, they look like they're set in concrete. Is that possible? And if oh. so, can I, can I put ceramic tile over them? Will I have to uh, uh, have those removed first? Uh, just how would that work? Uh, Mike, uh, you're all over this thing. Uh, they are indeed set in cement. This is what we refer to as mud set, M-U-D, to where, I mean, this is old tile setter stuff. And if you were to try and remove that tile, you would remove the tile, the cement behind it, and the one inch of plaster and the lath with it because it all behaves as one two inch thick poured concrete slab up on the wall. So you betcha. Uh, and yes, it, it's so solid that it can indeed be covered over. Um, it, it either can be relaminated with a piece of drywall over it, a piece of backer rod like or backer uh, sheet like Duroc cement board or hardy board, or in some cases you can actually uh, scar up and, and, and sand off the glaze part of that tile and uh, use an epoxy uh, type of adhesive to put on uh, the new okay tile. looks like it's been painted probably more than once so there's no there's no glaze on this i mean there's no shine or sheen on these things at all they're pretty flat looking yeah but that paint has to come off because this is forever tile stuff you have you have the best concrete tile base known to man don't put some cheesy paint in between the new and the old tile which you're about to install so make sure that oh. old paint comes off Okay, so but it could be covered over with backer board and then yep. tiled yep. in the usual way. Yep, and absolutely, and that's how I'd go about it and how we do in the pros that sometimes taking down that wall is literally, I mean, it, it can damage the other wall surfaces because you're literally tearing concrete off the side of a frame wall. Okay, well, I'd probably have to use a jackhammer or something like that to move it, huh? 
Oh yeah, and then and think about it. Now, when you get it down on the floor, what are you going to do with it? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, I understand. Yeah, good question. And and frankly, in that situation, Mike, I'd I'd go right over it. Now, think about you know what's sticking out and what's not, because you may need to fur the wall surfaces and you know bring before you put that uh, uh, backer panel on. You may need to flatten the wall a little bit too. Okay. Understand. Yeah, I think you're on this. All right, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Good question, Mike. Good luck, man. Mm-hmm. Home improvements, God mode. There we go. Get off to start. And 1919, my father had a term for those houses. And you know, I, I grew up. It's a German town. It's built for stout. You know, S C H T O U T. You know, it's like, well, it's a stout thing. Well, in the slang, it's like, it's built for stout, which is an old German way of saying, wow, did they put that thing together. So, uh, and even in some forms, in early years of my carpentry, you know, I was a nailing fool. I'd nail and nail and nail. My dad would say, no, no, you only need four nails there. Each nail is 400 pounds a piece, 1,600 pounds, probably going to hold that two by four in place. Keep in mind, this house will likely get remodeled once again, twice again before the end of your life. So, I mean, there was uh, too much can also have a consequence for the pros later. A 314 Two five eleven twenty. Uh, let's uh, see what's happening with uh, Eddie here. Hey, hey Eddie, uh, Scott Mosby, welcome to lunch on KMOX. Uh, talk about driveway. How can I help you there? Is this Eddie? Oh, hey, Joe. Sorry, Scott Mosby here. Joe, uh, how can I help you there? It kind of threw me there when you were saying Eddie. Well, um, I, the, my old eyes are lying to me, brother. So, there, Joe, you're on. Welcome to the club. Um, looking at, uh, power washing and sealing the uh, driveway, but before I do that, uh, I need to, uh, see how I can remedy the, uh, the loss of the expansion joints that were in there. The driveway is about 20 years old. And, um, someone told me that the best thing to do is put some backer rod in there and then, uh, some self-leveling caulk. What would you suggest? I totally agree, but I wouldn't use self-leveling. I'd use either semi-self-leveling, um, and 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 go and use a urethane. So it's a one-part urethane caulk, and that's you know when you and I were kids and we'd run around the public swimming pool, that gray caulk between the concrete. That's the stuff I'm talking about. Okay, and, and that's a great thing. It? Uh, urethane, one part, there's either gun grade, which you and I know, we just buy a tube of caulk and that's how it comes out. Then there's semi-self-leveling, which is the consistency of syrup. Yeah, and you have to you have to have a little experience messing with that stuff. It works great, but uh, uh, you, if you get it all over everything, you're in trouble. So I would use, this time of year, I'd just use regular gun caulk. It's, uh, it's a pretty large driveway, and if I try to caulk it, you know, that's a lot of caulk. Oh, caulking, yeah. You know, with the uh, caulking gun. Well, that's why you use the rope, Joe. Make sure you're only caulking a half inch thick. Okay, okay. Um, as opposed to using the caulk in the uh, backer rod, would you suggest going back and, and getting some of the uh, expansion pieces, uh, bars, and install those in place of? 
Well, no. Uh, we we oftentimes at Mosby are asked to put that in or wood, you know, where the old cedar joins. The problem is that it's hard to hold those up to the surface. The, basically, you're going to glue those things between two pieces of concrete, and those two yeah. pieces of concrete move, and that wood is not, it won't expand and contract. It just fails the one side, falls down in the crack, and then, you know, a year and a half later, you've got all this money into something that doesn't look good anymore. Those concrete things, you know, when we go from 10 degrees below zero to 110 plus sun, you know, we've got a thermal variance, a delta of 130, 140 degrees. Those concrete plates get very big and very small in the winter and the summer. Yeah, a lot of shifting. Yes, sir. Okay, Scott, I appreciate the inputs. Thank you, sir. Okay, Joe, thanks for the call. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. So we've got lots of things happening coming up on this hour two of the Helitech Home Improvement Show. Scott Mosby standing by. Stay tuned. We're going to come back right after this. Oh, yeah. Here we are. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, lunchtime, bean time. Strap on the feed bag. Put a few shrimp on the barbie. Let's have some lunch right now. Let's see what's uh, who's waiting on the phone. Go right to that. Uh, Bosco, you ready? Yep, yep, my gerbil's pumping out 50,000 watts. We're ready to go and see what's happening with Bob. Hey, Bob, good afternoon, lunchtime. How can I help, sir? Scott, uh, this is Bob in Lensville. I, yeah. I wanted to share some of my failures and successes with the street creep issues that one of your previous callers yeah. had. Sounded like he was, a, you know, uh, had the one-and-a-half-inch gap at the driveway yes. and, and his uh, garage. Well, first off, uh, I don't know if I can say it on the air, but there is a supplier that sells the backer rod from quarter inch all the way to three inch. And I, I bought some three inch, and, uh, and that worked great for me at the street. Um, only I, I didn't realize, uh, I've only done it a couple times, but you have to make sure that you get it down far enough. Like you said, the half inch. But the street irregularities, uh, I could see when I used the self-leveling uh, caulk, uh, and I've used it before, so, you know, it, it is messy, but uh, I was careful with it. Mm-hmm. I didn't get it on thick enough. So you want to make sure that the, you do have the half-inch thick uh, on, uh, on the leveling caulk. Otherwise, uh, driving over it, it just breaks free from the foam. Uh, so I, I've got some work to do on that. Uh, so he can get that one and a half, but he might want to go to the uh, next step up and, and force it down with a broom handle yeah. like I did. Uh, but I believe you answered one my question at the garage and driveway. Mm-hmm. Instead of using the backer rod, I ripped a two-inch cedar because yeah. my previous driveway – uh, when I had it new, they used cedar, and it lasted for 10 years or, or more. Uh, I, I ripped it, and I put the 2-inch cedar in so tight that I had to drive it in there with a the sledgehammer. Yeah. And I have not gone back with uh, the regular caulk to caulk the edges uh, yet, but that that seemed to work okay, except that you, you don't believe it will last very long and don't suggest that. 
Well, it depends on how cold it gets this winter because that concrete, you know, you're doing it in the summer, driving that cedar in there, and then all of a sudden, you know, 100 degrees cooler than now, all of a sudden that yeah. concrete's an eighth of an inch shorter. Yeah. You know. So next next spring, next summer, I may see the results of the um, of that. And, yeah. and if it doesn't work, I'll pull it out and put the Baccarat in. But I did want to share that with a guy, the gentleman, you know he can he can buy that and well go ahead and say the name of the supplier it's an okay. industrial it, it, supplier it, it, yeah it's new way yeah n-u-w-a-y uh, right i think it's two words like or a hyphen but they they, they have it in you know quarter inch up to the three inch now the yeah. two two and a half and three inch i believe uh, i bought them in six foot lengths the the rest of it was by the foot and yeah, you just make sure, <laughs> make sure you get in there tight and down, and and it worked great. Yeah. So you I get just, the caulk there too. To, yes, I I did, and you, you're exactly right on the price with the big one. I had to buy the industrial size uh, uh, caulking, caulking gun. gun, but yeah. there's quite a bit of difference in the price per case versus an individual uh, uh, tube of the twenty. I think it's twenty seven ounce. Yeah. Uh, you know, so. Uh, they have a lot there that uh, he may want to go and, and talk to the guys. They were real helpful. So okay. I hey, just Bob. wanted to share. Thank I was, just wanted to share my failure with them and uh, and ask about that cedar. So I'll look at it next spring or well, summer. You, you may be on it too. Years, uh, you know, it, it uh, one year you may get by with it, but believe me, that concrete moves around a lot. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on it then, Scott. Okay, Bob. Thanks for the help. All right, home improvement, a little help from our friend uh, Bob, uh, and uh, he's suggesting that uh, there are available from quarter-inch to three-inch round foam backer rods. That's big stuff, uh, and New Way is an industrial supplier for some of the caulking contractors in town, so the guys that you see up, you know, 70 stories above the ground or caulking these tilt-up concrete buildings, of which there are, uh, they seem to be growing like grass in the north part of our area here. So, uh, golly, a lot of caulking uh, going on in this town. Uh, phone lines, 314-436-7900, uh, Next up, let's talk to Diane and see what's cooking. Hey, Diane, how are you today? Hi, good, thanks. How are you doing? Great, thanks. Hey, I've got a question that also relates to concrete in winter. Our 27-year-old cedar fence needs replacing, so I've got uh -huh. a couple of bids but uh, didn't realize that they are out uh, in terms of job scheduling so that we'd be looking at uh, end of December, um, early part of January. Sure. And I'm a little concerned about um, putting posts into concrete at that time of year. Should I be? Um, well, yes, but I think you're going to find that most of these fence companies use, uh, some will use concrete, but others will use uh, compacted, uh, very fine gravel or limestone. Um, and think about this, because if it's a wood post, uh, and they put a treated post down in the ground, uh, some will use concrete, but keep in mind, concrete is cured and it creates heat in itself. So when you're dumping concrete down in a hole below grade, the soil is still prop even in, you know, if it's deep, you know, if it's uh, maybe 10 degrees outside the soil is still probably 35 36 degrees so that concrete hole is wearing a coat 
Uh, so I would not worry about the concrete. If you do damage some concrete, it might affect the top half inch of the concrete in that hole. But also you'll find that many of those um, uh, fence companies use compacted uh, limestone and it looks like concrete. And believe me, if you've ever dug it out, it feels like concrete. Mm. Well, but no, if there is a problem, they be... can pound it. Go ahead. Yeah, they said that it's going to be hand mixed concrete. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. You can the uh, you can pour that stuff underground almost year round. Ah, uh, okay. With with really out bad without bad consequences, other than the top surface of the concrete, which has very little to do with you know holding up your fence post. Okay, and I've been figuring that uh, cedar fence would be the longest lasting. Is that in your opinion as well? Well, uh, vinyl will outlast cedar. Cedar will have a life of 15 to 20 years above grade like a deck will. And where it fails is where the fence slats touch the other boards. And in truth, uh, I hope they're using treated 4x4s to go down in the hole because cedar will last underground about six or seven years. So if they can use treated lumber, which will be not nearly as pretty as a cedar post, uh, your fence will last much, much longer oh so even though we're having a cedar fence we should ask for treated it would it be treated pine uh, it is treated pine. There are two grades of treated pine. One is suitable for above ground location, which is for a deck or fence slats, mm -hmm. and then suitable for below grade, which would be for these posts. And they're really green, uh, they're really wet, and they warp. The problem is when they treat them to that deep impregnation where they're jamming that chemical very deep into the uh, pores of that wood, that thing comes out wet, and if you've got sun on the south side of that post in the first year, that uh -huh. post will seek it just like a big sunflower seed. So, oh, boy. Okay. You, you, it just is what it is, but it's still the right material choice. You just may wind up having to get them to come back and replace a few of them, you know. I see. Okay. But if they use the heartwood of the uh, cedar... Not post. below grade still. Construction heart redwood, construction heart cedar, almost impossible to get today because most of our forests are farmed. Yeah. That construction heart comes from virgin old growth timber that pretty much isn't around, at least in this country, much. Okay. And then if they do put it in in early January, how long should I let it weather until we put some preserving stain on it? I'd wait until the the summer uh, dry temperatures there, so let go all the way through the spring and the summer, and then I'd give it a bath before I do it. You know, but I like July when it's really dry. You know, your wood can absorb pretty much anything and hit it with your oh. sealer then. And, so and that wouldn't be, be too short a time. The six or seven months until July, huh? Not if you power wash it and clean it. I mean, it's going to get dirty in six months anyway, but yeah. most of those chemicals will come out. And keep in mind, your post, if it's suitable for below grade, no matter when you stain it, the stain will fall off. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, careful what you ask for. You just might get it. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much. Yeah, good questions, all of these. Thank you very much, Diane. All right, Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. We're going to take a short pause and come back for more. Retire Ready coming up after this show. Four o'clock, the president speaks. And then tonight, the cards and the brewers here on KMOX. Thousand holies, smokerolies. Hopefully the Cardinals bring that kind of energy today uh, or tonight when they take on the brewers. Uh, 
So anyway, we've got lots of things happening on University of CAMOX. Retire Ready following up this show. And then the president, 4 p.m., President Trump speaks live. And then we go to the baseball game. Uh, let's go to the phone line, see what's happening here with our uh, friendly voice of uh, caring friends. Uh, let's talk to John. Hey, John, Scott Mosby here. Good afternoon. How can I help? Scott. Hey, uh, I wanted to talk about indoor air quality. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about putting a germicide lamp mm-hmm. in my uh, airflow return. Yeah. Along with, uh, I was told that they have dual combos now and that the odor control also helps kill germs. Mm. Or does that just control odors? I'm trying to you know, figure out what I want to buy. The odor I'm not too familiar with. Ultraviolet light, for example, um, viruses don't do well in sunlight. So the ultraviolet light, which works, you know, with a light in your ductwork, in, in, your, in your furnace ductwork, uh, and it will pretty quickly kill whatever allergens and goodies come around through there, uh, certainly viruses and common cold, stuff like that. So the UV light is pretty old, and it's not brand new just being newly ap- applied to the residential market so that's a good thing whether it affects anything for odors uh, if the odor has bacteria in it that bacteria likewise if it's something smelly it will be affected by that ultraviolet light so I could see where the UV affects the odor but I'm unfamiliar with any other type treatment okay and then uh, another alternative that was mentioned to me was ion technology Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, um, what 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 is the background of that? Uh, it's ozone. So up in the Earth's atmosphere, you've got ozone. Uh, for example, uh, on my laptop here, it's electronic. One of the byproducts of that electrified electronic thing is an ozone. Well, ozone is uh, a highly uh, reactive gas. Uh, for example, if you buy a used car and a, you go to a used car dealer, oftentimes used car dealers will put an ionizer or a uh, something like that in the car, and it tends to neutralize those odors. So it's ions. And, and frankly, an electronic air filter uh, that we used to have 20 years ago, remember the things in the furnaces, people would say, boy, it's really clean air, but, you know, the zap, the pop, the crackles, every time it fries up a piece of dust. I, it, I have one of those at my office. Well, that, that creates uh, ions to an ozone layer. So ozone basically sucks up and neutralizes odors as well. So it's been around you and me for a long time. And, and a smoke eater, I think. You know, have you ever been in a bar and they have things up in the ceiling? It's called a smoke eater. It's a uh, special appliance that basically neutralizes cigarettes. It's the same thing. It's an ionizer. So the ions are just going to help make my my air quality fresher. Yeah, neutralizes um, a, a, um, the smoke particles. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And they all come and, with maintenance. Uh, I mean, you have to change the bulbs and the UV lights, and you have to clean the filters because that ionizer. You know, you're running a lot of air past these metal things. They do get dusty and dirty. Now they they also said I may want to consider putting a HEPA filter on my unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the benefit of a HEPA? Well, uh, H-E-P-A, high 
um, emission, particulate, um, something anyway, it has very small holes in it. So it will stop dust, it will stop pollen, it stops small particles. So a HIPAA filter just means the holes in it are much smaller. And so what doesn't get through more gets more trapped. So that's in vacuums we use in the construction industry a lot. Um, you can buy HEPA um, re uh, regular furnace filters that you just slide in. They have, um, I think, Scotch has them by number. You know, number seven is smaller holes. Number nine holes is smaller holes yet. Keep in mind, the, the more things you put in that furnace you know, the tighter the filter, the more back pressure and the harder your motor will run in your air handler. They mentioned something about putting a completely separate ductwork so my blower motor wouldn't have to stress as hard, like a loop or something on my existing system. It could be a bite. Yeah, it can. You, it's kind of a detour. But a that detour. means most of your air is going through the main plenum, and this will come around. So it, it filters part of the air. It doesn't stop all of it. So the guy was saying, depending on the traffic, you know, in your home, yeah. that if you don't have a lot of traffic, it's going to uh, do a good job on just having your air in a three-family home, you know, very, very clean. Right, right. Okay. Now, keep in mind, right. if you have carpeting in your house, if you change that to a hard floor, say hardwood or tile or anything that, that's not fuzzy and collects dust, you will improve your air quality by dramatic leaps and bounds. So if you're going to this level of air filtering, uh, I think you're on step number. Step number one would be get rid of all the carpet and fuzzy stuff in your house. We got hardwood floors. Yeah, you're Thanks there. Thanks so much. You bet. Good bet. Okay, man. Bye. Okay, John, take care. Bye now. Home improvement, uh, and, and that's one of my roles, is really just interpreting what things meet, uh, what things mean. So, uh, you know, John had some really good questions. Uh, let's see what's cooking here with, uh, let's go to Don. Hey, Don, Scott Mosby, how can I help, sir? Um, I want to get your professional opinion on a tankless water heater mm -hmm. as far as the efficiency, um, Really, what I'm concerned about is just the temperature, you know, the output temperature of it. Is it really going to be hot enough? Uh, it's all engineering. Uh, uh, typically, a tank, first off, tankless water heater doesn't uh, heat the water and then store it. You don't pay money for standing still. You heat the water Correct. only when the water's flowing past the heater, uh, number one. Number two, this is a highly engineered product and a highly engineered size. So every tankless or on-demand water heater has a delta, its ability to raise temperature on a three-quarter inch or half-inch diameter pipe. So, for example, when we at Mosby put in what I call a multi-spray shower, basically a car wash in the shower, sometimes we will have a tanked water heater 
and an on-demand water heater to create enough water to run that through and keep going because the regular water heater or a single tankless may not be enough. We put two tankless in tandem, one right behind the other. The first one raises the temperature from 70 to 90. The second one raises the in, on the inside. Now it's coming in inflow at 90 and it's going out at 120 and then gets mixed in the shower mix valve. So it is a... Um, highly you need to work with somebody who really knows what to put in because if they put in one too small uh, or too big you've got too much or too little and you're losing your efficiency on the too much and your cold water on the too little so you have to know exactly what you're doing well yeah and i'm just talking about a regular household you know with regular shower and kind of run us you know kitchen sink and the shower at the same time without oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But, because but I, I set I set my water heater like 140. I like it okay. hot. You may so need. I don't even know. If, well, keep in mind. So your shower head is rated, and it's one and a half gallon GPM gallons per minute. It could be 3.0 gallons per minute. And if you pull the flow restrictor out, you can get five six gallons per minute. So if you pull the flow restrictor out of your shower head, you may go from being able to have enough hot water at and on the tankless system to you don't have enough because you're flying past hat twice as much water and it you know it's only able to heat it to half of that heat. You see you following where I'm going with all this? Right. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. So you really have to know the numbers because it'll be designed for that one shower head and the the sink. But if you're running two showers yeah. and the sink, um, you may not have and the you know clothes washer. You may not have enough with one tankless heater. I think I lost you there. Well, if but you're using twenty idea. gallons okay, a minute, if you're using twenty gallons a minute with a clothes washer, two showers and the hot water at the sink, you may be pumping 20 gallons of hot water through that pipe per minute, and your water heater may only be rated at raising at 12 gallons per minute. You follow? So then you put two water right. heaters in to hit that flow rate. Right. Yeah, you, I see. It yeah. may be fine for just a single use, but, yeah, with right. a family and multiple things going, probably just better with a regular water heater. Well, the issue the issue I have is when I go through the big box doors, it's like there's a tankless water heater. We put it in for what? It's like, well, how do you know how many gallons? You know, most homeowners haven't a clue how many gallons per minute they need, much less how many gallons per minute their old water heater is already delivering. So, again, um, this is this – is, uh, it's important to, to uh, take this voyage with an experienced plumber who knows how to size these things and install them. It matters. Right. I mean, you could do something as simple as just turn on all three things and put a bucket there, time it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a crude way. Is. Yeah. That's a crude way to do it, but it's pretty close. You'll be within a gallon or two per I minute and uh, I think it'd be pretty accurate. Okay. All right, yeah. but thanks for your input. Yeah, good luck. And by the way, I love these things. If you have a pretty good sized family and you're using a lot of water, that's a that's a, that's more savings than for a family of two that doesn't shower but once a day. So the more water you use, the better it is, and and you're just not spending money in the middle of the night when nobody's using hot water. I love them. Right, and that's yeah, that's why I have the hot water heater cranked up so high because yeah. you're losing using more cold water while you're taking a shower and saving hot water for everybody else yeah and, okay. and in traditional tank water heaters Thank you very much you may need two of those units as well too uh, so be aware of that don 
Okay, home improvements got most. We're going to take a short pause and be back, right back for more after this. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, back together, fire up the phone line, see what's cooking with my buddy George. Hey, George, good afternoon. Scott here. How can I help? Hi, Scott. Um, got a uh, shower valve uh, issue that uh, I wanted to uh, pass by you. Uh, I got two shower valves. They're deltas. They're 31 years old. Uh-huh. Uh, they're the uh, the single valve that comes through the uh, the shower wall with the uh, one lever. Okay. Uh, that valve uh, right now is approximately two inches in diameter, and the escutcheon cover is approximately six and a half inches diameter. Uh, those valves are going to have to be replaced from the shower side of that wall uh there are no access panels on yep. the back side of that wall to get to them that's why that so six inch guess, escutcheon is the size and the valve those valves can be changed through that six inch escutcheon hole at least by a plumber they can that's that's my question is yep. uh you know i know they're gonna have to cut a bigger hole than that two inches but uh, are they going to be able to uh cut a hole big enough to uh unsweat all that and then re-sweat but still uh, yep. use that uh, six and a half inch yep uh, usually they do it all the time they, they do it all the time and, and uh you, there may be some tile repair around it too they may pull the tiles around and then the tiles have to go back on and fit but well, they can it, get inside it's an that acrylic, uh, it, it's an acrylic panel uh, okay well that can cut out they do it all the time. That's one of the advantages of those small delta valves. Now the new valves typically are bigger because they're pressure adjusted. Right. Uh, the, the second question I got for you then uh, uh, about uh, fixtures in general is that uh, years ago the old rule was was the uh, uh, the fixtures that were available at big box stores were not of the uh, same quality as uh, from a uh, plumber's supply house. Yep. Does, does that rule still apply today? Yes, it is. You can get both, but for example, mo- oftentimes a manufacturer will be told what the valve's going to sell for, so they engineer it to that price. It's a told turned around thing. When the supplier gets more powerful than the manufacturer, they just say, "We need to sell these things for eighty dollars." It's like, well, it costs us seventy-six, and they're figure it out. So yes, that is so, true. Not all valves are like that because they will sell the brass body valves as well. But just be aware that uh, price engineering is a, a standard language in our economy now. So if, if I were to uh, look for something in a big box store, uh, if it's not a uh, brass body, uh, I should stay away from it. Well, just uh, typically when we buy things, we buy them at the uh, wholesale supply house. We pay more for it. We get more supply help at the at the counter uh and and i'm not dissing anything uh but they are it's just different when when you're offering a warranty on your labor you can't afford to put in questionable materials and that's what the pros do is there's a one-year labor right you know so well i'm I'm buying better products then yeah Yeah, i was just concerned about the quality of the fixtures themselves well, sometimes they're not different, and sometimes they are. But I don't know. You know that whole the question you asked. My answer is I don't know. 
I just know that it's common for the manufa- or the sellers to say it's selling for this supply of valve. So be careful. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Okay, George, thanks for it. Hey, folks, uh, stay tuned here. Retire Ready coming up. President Trump, 4 p.m. And the Cardinals tonight at 6 here on KMOX. So we've got lots going on. So keep in mind, uh, stay tuned. It's a good afternoon. Enjoy yourselves. This weather is glorious, and I will be out there myself.